0: Welcome to Season 2 of the Stephanie Humphrey Podcast. This season features our Biblical Teaching Segment, Study With Me, where we read through portions of the Old and New Testament, and Sip and Say with Stephanie, where you hear Stephanie's perspective on social issues, world events, and whatever is on her mind. Join us on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more on Thursdays at 10 p.m. Want to leave Stephanie a message? Go to our podcast on Anchor FM and click the message button, and you just might be featured on her podcast. Don't forget to like and share your favorite episodes. We look forward to engaging with you soon. Blessings. Welcome to Sip and Say with Stephanie. Hey, y'all. How's everybody doing this evening? I am doing amazing. But I got a new attitude. Know where I'm going and I know what to do. I'm something, something, my point of view. I got a new attitude. Know where I'm going, my worries are few. I got the words wrong, but that's okay too. I'm something, something, my point of view. I got a new attitude. See, look, now I got to find the words. I couldn't remember the words at the time. Um, But yes, I'm feeling good tonight, you all. Um, I'm thankful, I'm blessed. Oh, I'm in control of my worries a few because I've got love like I never knew. Ooh, 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 ooh. I got a new attitude. Hey, so welcome to Sip and Say with Stephanie. I'm just having a little fun just being silly. One of the classes that I took this week from my wellness class talked about um playfulness and so we had to, um, we listened to the video, got the teaching, and then we had to talk about how we were going to be playful this week, and I was like, you know, I feel like I'm already pretty playful. I like to sing. I like to dance around the house and things like that, but you know what? I'll be able to tell my fellow uh, wellness colleagues that I was playful on my YouTube channel tonight, Um, Sip and Stay with Stephanie, so I'm really excited to be with you tonight. I am feeling really good tonight. Um, you know, it's Thursday, so y'all know what I'm going to say my how I'm feeling. But um other than my body, I feel really good. I had a I've had a really great work week this week. I got a lot of things done. I feel like I was I was first especially the first two days, I was like doing a little bit here, doing a little bit there. Um, but it's all come together today. It all came together. My little bit here, my little bit there on Monday and Tuesday came together a little bit yesterday and fully came together today. So I have to wrap up a few things for tomorrow. The Lord bless me to live to see it, but I am so ready. Hallelujah. Ready for another uh, wonderful weekend. We have a really great celebration happening this weekend and I'm really excited. Um, about it. And it's a surprise. And so I'm really excited about it. And I have a a gift that I'm going to be given. And I haven't purchased it yet, but I know what it is. I have to actually go pick it up. And, um, uh, so yeah, so that's how I'm feeling. Really looking forward to the weekend. And, um, I'm looking at the wind. I wish I would have put my windows up before I started sipping say with Stephanie so I can tap into some of this cool um breeze that I'm seeing happening outside. I think it's raining as well. It was raining on my way home today and thankfully it was no storm. It was just rain and I, you know, the weather uh lady that I listen to in the mornings when I do turn on the news, she did say there could be rain um, you know, on your uh, evening commute or afternoon commute home. And so Traffic was great. Like everybody was was cool, smooth, going on through. So it was really good and I'm thankful for that. Um, but you know, that's me. How are y'all doing? How are you doing mentally? How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing physically? How are you doing emotionally? I hey Aunt Wanda, how are you? I see her tears. So Aunt Faye might be feeling, you know, she's got she's got her tears emoji in the YouTube chat. So Chat it up with me. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know how you're feeling. You can add it to the comment section later. If you're on my podcast, you can come to YouTube. If you like the Stephanie Humphrey channel, leave me a message and let me know how you're doing mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Let me know how you're doing. Right now, I'm full because I had an opportunity to eat dinner before the show tonight, what y'all have for dinner? I had turkey burgers with, um, I cut me some purple onions, some purple onions, and some tomatoes, so that was, I had a bun list. I had it, so I had to get my knife and fork out, put my, um, have my turkey bun, I mean my turkey burger, put my onion on top, and then I put my tomato on top, and I was slicing it up and dipping it in my, um, some mustard, and, um, and I had some potato wedges. I put some potato wedges in the air fryer, so that's what I had. I'm gonna have an apple for snack. I have I've had two bananas already today, so I'll have an apple for snack and I have some hummus in the refrigerator that I might have a little bit later if I get hungry. But I'm definitely gonna have an apple before I um Go to bed tonight. Potentially, if I get hungry, you know. Um, so yeah. So I'll, I, I I pray that you're feeling better, Aunt Faith. I have my look. I have my what well, Oprah Winfrey calls the ugly cry last week. Um, but uh, but you know, all is well this week. I might have another one next 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 month. Who knows? Because sometimes you know, different life situations hit us at different times and in different ways, and so we never know. how how world situations, how life happenings, how family events, you know, different things that that occur in our world both personally and maybe just out in our community or out in our state or, you know, just in the world, we never know how that's going to affect us. You know, I was thinking about, I mentioned, you know, the death of Queen Elizabeth, uh, like two weeks ago, the um, Thursday it happened, I was, uh, we were doing Bible study that night. And so, of course, you know, after she passed away, I was listening to some broadcasts and reading a little bit about and listening to some of the individuals that were under her rule talk about the colonization that happened. Happened, you know, under her rule. And I even heard a person say, this was on the radio, that um she should have already died, like she lived too long, she should have been dead, you know, just thinking about the oppression that happened under her rule and the colonization that happened in African countries under her rule. I haven't done an in-depth study about it, so just keeping you know my conversation general about it, but <laughs> We all have a right to our own opinion. We really do. Um, I, I would have to dive into, do some research about the history of the colonies and the territories that she ruled over and see um, when the colonization happened, you know, and there were some people in Africa that were talking about when this happened, how some of them lost family members fighting to prevent colonization from happening in their country, and and so I'd have to do a little bit more research for myself because again I listened to the testimonies, I heard some reports about it, but have not done an in-depth study, and so. Um, And so that it is important for us to note that because that is that's history. That's part of what happened under her rule and how it has affected, you know, uh, African people and other people long term. Um, I was looking at her longevity like she lived to be 96 years old. I feel like that's amazing. The longevity of her life is amazing because so many of us do not live to be fifty or sixty or seventy-five, and she lived to be ninety-six. I believe that God graced her to live that long. Um, I'm not saying that God blessed her at as she colonized people, as she oppressed people. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but she was blessed with longevity, with long life, and um, and I appreciate that. I really appreciate anybody who God blesses with long life. Like when I was um, reading about and hearing about and learning about the um, Black Wall Street in Tulsa, um, and uh, two other survivors, there were three survivors, two of them were over 100, I think at that time, in either 2020 or 2021, one was like, I think maybe 105, one was 102, it was a sister and a brother, the sister was older than the brother, and she remembers more of what happened, I can't remember how old, the um, and I don't remember her name, I'm sorry, y'all, maybe I can look it up as I'm talking, I don't remember how old she was when the Tulsa um massacre happened on uh black wall Street, but she could recall some of like her family in panic and trying to escape and you know not suffer from the the murder that was happening in their town and um and uh, the, just the fact that both of that sister and brother were still living a hundred years later, like a hundred years, um, or for a hundred is not a hundred years after the the massacre. But I think that the brother was a baby. I think I think his sister and him himself were saying that he was a baby when this happened. And so, um, but yeah, they're they're over a hundred, and I know they're still living. Um, I'm going to see if I can look up their names really quick. So I hadn't planned to mention them, so I didn't have their names ready. Um, But just I appreciate um, longevity of life. You know, I appreciate when God blesses individuals to live in their 90s and live to see 100. Like, I think that is so amazing. That is such a blessing. Um, The Bible promises us 77 years, you know. But when you can live past that, oh man, I just, that, it's just, that blesses me to know, you know, that, that God blesses other people to be, um, to, to have longevity of life. So it was Miss Viola, Viola Fletcher was one individual. She was seven years old when the, um, Black Wall Street happened. Um, let me see if I can, um. I'm going to open this up so I can, because it, like I said, it was three, it was three individuals that were still living from Black Wall Street. So let me see if I can get their names. Since I mentioned them, I really want to be able to say their names. So this report was from May um, 27th, 2021. And let me see if I can get all three. Uh, So Miss Fletcher, who is now at at, May 2021, was 107. So I got her her age wrong. I was thinking she was 105, but she was 107 um, currently. And then she was seven years old when Black Wall Street happened. Um, Let me see if I can see how old her brother was. All right, so Hughes Van Ellis a hundred year old so I got his age wrong too, so he was a hundred year old survivor um he was let's see if I can see how old he was at the time it happened okay, it doesn't say how old he was at the time um but the third survivor was miss is miss lessie Benningfield Randall she was hundred and six or she's currently at well may twenty twenty one she was hundred and six um and she mentioned about having survived a hundred years of painful memories and losses and so i do remember when they all um testified about the happenings during um the Tulsa massacre and um i listened to miss viola i didn't I, I think i heard a little bit of miss viola's but i tuned in when mr ellis was giving his testimony and man I mean to 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 be over a hundred years old and still remember that that happened you know and can share some of the details of that happening lets me know that they had a sharpness of mind that their mind was still intact I mean just listening to them talk because I actually heard them talk prior to them testifying um concerning the uh, Tulsa uh, Black Wall Street in Tulsa I actually heard them on some video I think when they were doing the commemoration I think it was like a hundred year commemoration that happened in either I think it was in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. I think it happened last year. And Roland Martin um, showed it on on Black Star Network on his program. And just listening to the strength in their voice and their compassion and their passion and their, their just sharpness of mind. I'm just like, wow, God, God, you know, because some individuals who live to be in their hundreds may not have sharpness of mind. Like one of my um, great aunts, my granddaddy's sister, she is 99. She turned 99 this year or 98, 97, 98, 99. I think she turned one somewhere in there and she has suffered from dementia, you know, and so. Um, so that's the state that she's currently in. God has blessed her with longevity of life. And we're thankful that she's still here. Um, and my granddaddy is 93 and he's, his mind sharpened in mine, you know? So I just appreciate, again, longevity of life and individuals who are still in their right minds, still able to live and drive and think and move about, you know, that's such a blessing. And so that's how I saw Queen Elizabeth. Like, I don't know her history enough, but I just saw God. I just saw it as God blessing her with long life. And it's just 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 amazing. That's just how I saw it. Um and I would again have to dive a little bit deeper into some of her policies and practices. But, you know, it just, you know. So I just wanted to share. I had not planned to share any of that, but you know, sometimes it's it's just good to just sit and talk, you know, kind of share your thoughts and talk. And this is Sip and Say with Stephanie. So that's what I do. Oh, my aunt. Oh, that's, <laughs> my aunt had the, my aunt wanted to have the crying emoji because she said she was laughing at me singing. <laughs> Look, look, don't even know the words. I'm, I'm going to make up my own words. I got to tune them I'm going to make up my own words if I miss the words. And so, yeah, she said she was laughing at me see, singing, and she said she is doing great. Hallelujah. I'm glad that you're doing well, I wonder. So, look, watch y'all sipping on tonight, I'm going to have me some muscadine tonight think I had the muscadine um, cider last night, but I'm about to pour me some muscadine, and that is what I am sipping on tonight. I had some water right before I came over to sit down, but what y'all sipping on tonight? I'm sipping... Oh, y'all want me to... Y'all want to see me pour it? I'm sipping on some muscadine, alcohol-free, if it's any of your business. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all can tell it's alcohol freak no ain't no fizzes going on. Y'all know if it was some uh, some champagne or alcohol, be a little fizz there. I'm I should have bought a napkin over because my bottle is condensing. Let me move some of my uh apparations uh, over here. So I'm gonna take me a sip of my muscadine. Let me stop see, I'm laughing at myself when I say my appar- apparations are my all my stuff over here. Muscadine is good. I got it from the Duplin Winery. I told y'all about last week, I bought several bottles. Y'all don't need to know how many I bought. And y'all be counting up my bottles as I'm coming on sipping. and Say with Stephanie. Even I'll be counting up my bottles. But I got several bottles between the Muscadine, the Muscadine Muscadine Cider, and the Scarpinog from Duplin Winery. I really, they're the only winery that I know that has alcohol-free wine. But if you all know other wineries that have alcohol-free wine, drop it in the live chat, drop it in the comment section. I would love to support that business, especially if it's Black-owned. I was looking for some Black-owned businesses that have alcohol-free um, wine, because that's what I enjoy drinking. Don't drink a lot of alcohol. And so... um but I haven't found any. So if y'all, I haven't done an extensive search, but I just haven't found any in the search that I've done. And so if you all, um, if y'all know of any, please tell me, I would love to support their business. If you are a business that sells, um, Alcohol free wine. Alcohol, blame it on. Okay, that's a whole secular song. Let me stop. Um, but if you all are a small business that uh, serves and um, sales, alcohol free wine, let me know. I would love to try your product. All right, y'all. I got a special. Um, the, at the end for you all that I think I'm going to incorporate into Sip and Say with Stephanie moving forward, okay? So something very special for you at the end, but let me get right into it. We I have a little bit of news to share with you on tonight, and um, I feel like it's a little bit scattered tonight, but it's going to be okay. Just share a few things with you, and then I'll wrap it up at the end with some with some good stuff, all right? So I don't know if you, I'm about to take another sip, y'all, just because I want to. All right, y'all. So if you all, um, all of us remember um, the afternoon was what, May 25th, I believe it was, um, when George Floyd was killed. And I just have a, just, yeah, May 25th, 2020. I have a, a small update for you about that. So we already know that Derek Chauvin is serving 2020, 22 and a half years currently in prison for the death of George Floyd. He was convicted of, um, let me make sure I get it right. He pleaded guilty of federal, to a federal charge of violating, okay, that was for civil rights, and that was in July. Hold on, let me see. I can't remember. I think it was second and third degree. Let me see if it's on my front page, because I didn't even highlight it because I hadn't even planned this year. But y'all have to look it up for you. So he was convicted. He's serving in two, Okay, here it is. It was on the front page. I'm looking on the back page. So, in April 2021, he was convicted of second and third degree murder, as well as a second degree manslaughter charge. He was sentenced in June 2021 to 22 and a half years in prison, like I just mentioned. But the other officers are still going through the process of, um uh because they had a federal you know case and they had the civil case. So, Thomas Lane, who pleaded guilty to second degree manslaughter manslaughter, manslaughter in the killing of George Floyd. He was actually sentenced yesterday um, to three years in prison. His name is Thomas Lane. Of course, he worked for the Minneapolis Police Department. He's a former police officer with their department. Um, he was uh, the individual, the police officer that was holding George Floyd's legs down at the time that Derek Chauvin had his knee on his neck. And we all know that this happened for over nine minutes. You all um where Derek Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd's neck, which ultimately resulted in um in his death um So Lane, Thomas Lane pleaded guilty in May to a state charge of aiding and abetting second degree manslaughter, okay? And his attorney and the state prosecutors, they agreed, um, you know, mutual agreement to this three and a half year sentence, which is actually below the sentencing guidelines for this particular case. I did not even look to see what the actual sentencing guidelines I should have, but I didn't think about it at the time I was reading this. But um, a jury did, he's actually serving a 30-month sentence at a federal prison in Colorado after a jury found him guilty on federal charges of violating Floyd's rights by not providing him with medical care. So that was a federal charge. And then the manslaughter charge, um, he was sentenced uh, to three years. Um, so after he serves his 30-month sentence, he'll you know get into the three years. Um, so I felt like it was interesting to note, and I would need to do some research on predatory, predatory offenders, which I didn't do prior to the broadcast. But it is possible, um, if required by law, that Thomas Lane will have to register as a predatory Offender, and actually Derek Chauvin had to register for it. So Lane Thomas Lane was was trying to get an understanding of if Derek Chauvin was or has to register with this predatory, um, as a predatory offender. Like, why do I have to? Because our charges, you know, are a little bit different. Um, so his lawyer said that he was going to look into it. So let me just see what the predatory offender is, because like I said. I didn't look it up, um, prior to this. So this particular, uh, a predatory offender is characterized by a person who hunts for his or her victim. That's interesting. Um, and they use like an example of like a sex offender who like kind of, you know, hunts for their predator and, you know, commits a sexual act against them. Um, so I think that's interesting, um, but if required by law, he would have to do it. But again, his lawyer is looking into it. But he wasn't happy about that. And he, he shared a few you know things as to why he wasn't happy about that. Y'all can look it up for yourself because I can't say them kind of words. <laughs> anyway, the other two officers, J. Alexander Kong and Tao To, are scheduled to stand trial next month on state charges of abating, excuse me, of aiding and abetting, second degree murder, and second degree manslaughter. okay. So they, um, Kong, he helped restrain Floyd. And then Tao, he kept the the bystanders pretty much, you know, in line or kept them away from um, where they were um, pressing down on George Floyd, where they were holding George Floyd in the road on the cement. Like it wasn't even on the sidewalk. It was actually in the road um, where they were holding him down. And so he kept them at bay. So, yeah, so that that's an update about that. I am thankful that these um, former police officers have been charged, are being charged um, for the crime that they committed against George Floyd. Like. As I I didn't watch the full nine minutes or the full nine minutes plus of the video, but the little bit that I saw of the video, I was heartbroken that the. Part of the clip that I saw, I looked at George Floyd and I was like, he's already gone. Like he he was already gone, even as they were still holding him. He was already gone. And if you can recall, he was calling out for his mom. Um, I did hear that in the video he, while he was still alive. He was calling out for his mom. But then there was an, a later part of the clip. I don't remember which minute it was at. And I looked at his face. And I say, he's already gone. Like that meant y'all need to get off him. That meant, Y'all shouldn't have been on him to begin with, but y'all really need to go out, go out. He was already gone. I mean, and and I don't even know what his, you know, I know it's, you know, been two years, but grief is grief. A death is a death, especially to see your dad, your brother, your nephew, your uncle, the life being, sucked out of him by a knee on the neck and him being restrained. I I just, I can't even imagine what their experience was, you know, during this, you know, watching this video. And then of course, um, being present during the trial and um, with all the sentencing, you know, that are happening now and different things you know I don't know how they feel about it in my mind I feel like they're reliving it you know because they're still working through the the trial and the sentencing the state you know trial cuz the federal you know trials have already happened but the state trials and I just you know prayers still go to to the George Floyd family to his daughter his his siblings his um to his family I also but before I move from this I wanted Noted that Thomas Lane he did try to um he did try to de escalate the situation. Like he it was noted that he um he noted Noted that he was like, isn't there a better way? Can we do this differently? Like, can we handle this differently? Like, he did try to intervene at one point on George Floyd's behalf, but his intervention was not well-received. So he continued to hold his leg. So he still played a part in the murder of George Floyd, because, you know, in my mind, it would have been different if he would have tried to intervene. And if he, you know, if Derek Chauvin or the other officers weren't listening, if he would have been like, look, I'm done, y'all. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Y'all, y'all, hands off, you know, but he did. And he continued to hold George Floyd's legs. And so you know, so he is, you know, serving time for his part in the, the murder of George Floyd. Oh, my aunt said she's drinking water. Oh, and I for to amen. All right. So that's that. I, you know what, y'all? I wanted to mention that... Um, about, I don't know if you all. So I'm done with the George Floyd. I'm going to move on to immigration. I was, I actually had this in my notes last week for Sip and say with Stephanie because I was reading it before we um, came on. Before I came on, but you all know there, some of the Republican governors have been busing um, immigrants to sanctuary cities, and. I can't understand why, but let me just read the article to you so you can have the information. So Texas Governor Greg Abbott noted last week that his state had bused more than 11,000 immigrants out of Texas to to what we call sanctuary cities. 8,000 he sent to Washington, D.C., 2,500 were sent to New York City and 500 were sent to Chicago. All of this has happened since August. 11,000 people. Um, some of the officials in the sanctuary cities have noted that Greg Abbott, and then I'm going to get to DeSantis, um, and some of the other Republicans that have done this, they have not given the sanctuary cities warnings that these immigrants were coming. So there have been nonprofits, Um and other, you know, community and health organizations that have band band together to try to serve these immigrants, you know, with food, with shelter, with clothing, with water, with health care, with mental health care. They are doing the best that they can to support these immigrants that are being sent to their city. Can you imagine the city that you live in receiving 11,000 people in a matter of a month or a a little over a month, like that's a lot of people to care for. And I really appreciate the churches and the nonprofits and the other community organizations that are helping the government officials in these cities um, take care of the immigrants that are coming. Some of the uh, uh, um, officials of the actual organizations they've noted like they're like busting at the seams, like their resources are being stretched because so many people are coming, and again, sometimes they don't have a warning that these individuals are coming. And so, Greg Abbott has done that. Um, also last week, Florida Governor DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, he charted two planes, y'all. I don't know where he got the money from, I guess it was tax payers money because I'm sure he didn't take out, take it out of his pocket, but I feel, I feel like he used taxpayer money. I don't know if he did, but however he paid for it, he chartered two planes carrying 50 immigrants and he dropped them off at Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Also on Thursday, last Thursday on the fifteenth, two buses were dropped off in DC near the home of Vice President Kamala Harris um, at her or near her resident at residence at the US Naval Observatory. And the reason why the the reason why the governors are dropping these immigrants off in the sanctuary cities, or not dropping them off but busing them, and in in DeSantis' case, sending a plane, is because they're protesting um, Joe Biden's immigration uh, laws or immigration act. And I'm gonna tell you about the immigration act in just a minute. But they're protesting because they feel like Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, should have secured the border more so they so that these immigrants could not cross over into our country. And I'm a, like I said I'm going to get to the immigration act in just a minute. I I don't know what it I've never lived in another country besides the United States of America. And this is the only, well, I've thought about living in other countries, but this is a country I've always lived in. I don't know what it takes for an individual to decide I'm leaving the country that I was born in or raised in or lived in for however many years, and I'm going to go to a whole new country. Oftentimes these immigrants, when they come, they only have the clothes on their back. You know, some of them may have like a handful of things that they brought with them, but oftentimes they don't have much coming in. You know, sometimes they don't even have, you know, um, resources or money or anything. They're just coming, hoping to what I'm assuming, hoping to, you know, to seek a better life for themselves and their family. And so I don't know what it takes for an individual to decide I'm crossing the border or I'm going to another country, not knowing what's going to. To greet me when I'm there. Not knowing what's gonna happen, I'm just gonna go. And so we know that there's there's been a, a crisis, if you will, at the border with individuals crossing the border, usually in Texas with the um, um the Mexico uh, and Texas line crossing. Um, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know the the answer or the solution to. To immigration, I don't know the answer or the solution to individuals crossing the border and coming into the United States of America. Um, I know that we do have, like I said, we do have immigration laws and um, guidelines to help these individuals become citizens. But from what I can remember in researching itself so a while ago. It's a process. Like it's not an easy process, and sometimes it can be a long process. And even in talking to individuals who have uh, Latino, Latina, and Latinx individuals who their parents have gained citizenship, or another family member have gained citizenship, or and actually talking to adults who have gained citizenship, it was not easy for them. It was a it was a long, grueling process in some respects, and. Excuse me. And so um, I think it's just an ongoing problem that we'll have to continue to deal with. Like, I don't I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what would cause a person to leave their country to come to another country. I don't know what the conditions were in their country or in their community that would cause them to come over. But 11,000, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot of individuals coming into our um, country, especially, you know, 'Cause somebody has to pay for them to be here for them to get the supplies and the resources and the, the health care, mental health care that they need. And I w- was reading in the article where one of the um organ the community organizations, they are helping these immigrants secure like cash paying jobs because obviously they're coming, they don't they haven't like registered for a social security number. Or um, they don't have citizenship. So, you know, there's paperwork to do that so they can legally work here. So they're helping them get some cash jobs, which y'all know we got there's jobs out there available for anybody who wants to work. And so so this particular organization is helping these or some of these individuals get, you know, a job so that they can you know start working towards their citizens, citizenship and then you know hopefully become a productive member of the United States of America and hopefully even an, an American citizen all right, so I just wanted to mention that because I feel bad I, I I was looking at the lines and watching a few of the videos. This was actually last week when I was watching this and reading about it, and then I read about it some more today but some of the individuals that come over, y'all, they're beaten, like they're abused. Some of the women have, have reported rape, being raped. And so, again, I don't know what it takes to come over not knowing what is waiting for you or, you know, and so... Um, and I was also reading that some of the individuals, whatever clothes that they wore, they have been wearing those clothes clothes for days or weeks, or in some case a month or so and so i I just my heart goes out to them because again, I'm thinking I don't know because i've never I haven't talked to any of them, but I'm thinking they've come to to our country to seek better opportunities for themselves and for their families, and then you know um. So my heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to the cities that are working tirelessly to make sure that these immigrants are taken care of. And I wanted you all to know um, some, uh, just a few of the sanctuary cities that I noted are Los Angeles, um, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Providence, Rhode Island, Newark, New Jersey, Austin, Te- Texas, and Portland, Oregon. Those are just a few of the sanctuary cities um, that are you know, helping these immigrants. And just so you know, in case you don't know, a sanctuary city um, limits their cooperation with federal immigration laws by providing sanctuary to immigrants, oftentimes as the immigrants are waiting um, to go through the process of immigration. Um, these cities welcome und- undocumented individuals. They provide help for them, and they also provide protection from them being deported. Because oftentimes, um, the um, uh, the ICE agents they will not deport from say, deport individuals or immigrants or undocumented immigrants. They will not deport them from sanctuary cities. So. I just, like, I, you know, and this, and y'all, this is Latino. This is Latino. Let me make sure I say it right. This is Hispanic Heritage Month from September 15th. I, I had it on my notes for last week, and I do not want to forget to say it this week. From September 15th to October 16th, this is um, Hispanic Heritage Month. So it honors the culture and contributions of Latin Americans and Hispanic Americans. So for this to happen at any time of the year is horrible. But for it to happen during a time where we celebrate their culture and their contributions to um, America and to the world at large, it's just like my heart goes like my heart feels so much empathy and so much love and compassion towards them. So y'all, let's just pray for them. Let's pray for the cities that are helping them. Um, I want you to know that um, New York, Chicago, and Washington are the major cities that the immigrants are being sent to. And again, their resources are at capacity, but they still are doing everything that they can to help them. Because these are human beings, y'all. Like these are our sisters and brothers. These are human. These are God's children. They're human beings that are being shipped to these cities. You know and and I don't know if Governor Abbott or Governor Governor DeSantis or their representatives or the other Republican governors that are doing this, I don't we I don't know what they are telling these immigrants when they're telling them get on this bus. I don't know if they're saying we sent we're sending you to Chicago because they have jobs waiting for you, or we're sending you to New York because they have shelter for you. Like we don't know what they're being told. The article didn't say. What the Governors or what their representatives are saying to these individuals that they're shipping the cities, but I mean they're human beings like they you know deserve respect and and I don't know, I just feel like they're being mistreated in the way that they're being shipped to other cities now, once they get to the cities, the cities are really helping them like chicago um new york washington d c and the other cities. they are helping these citizens as best they can with the resources that they have but Again, my heart it really just goes out to them. Yeah, um, and, and and it was noted that a lot uh, oftentimes, like I mentioned before, they're coming with absolutely nothing. Like they're they're, you know, they they need some help. You know, um, yeah, they need some help. So yeah, so let's just pray for for just everybody. I mean, we all need prayer. But let's pray, you know, for the organizations and the nonprofits and the cities that are housing these individuals, um, that they have the resources and the the strength and the capacity to continue to help these individuals um, with whatever, you know, resources that they need. All right. Yeah. (laughs) And it just makes me sad, you know. I've been homeless three times in my life, so I know what it feels like when you don't have anywhere to go. Um, thankfully, there were people who took me in, but, and I didn't have to like sleep in the street or sleep in my car, but I know what it feels like to be homeless. I know what it feels like to have nothing. Like, I know what it feels like to have little money. I know what it feels like to go hungry. You know, I know what that feels like. And so, my compassion for them is great because i under i i don't understand what it what it takes to leave another country but to have nothing and to have uncertainty in your life and don't really know if you're going to eat the next day or eat the next meal or whatever i know what that feels like so so my heart of compassion is, is towards them um yeah so y'all um yeah, I'm going to stop there with that. You know, we just we're, okay. And I I I I I am reading that the Republican governors are protesting, you know, Biden's immigration law. I just say I was going to get into it, but I think I took the window down. So what I'll do is instead of getting into the immigration law, I will put the link for you to see it for yourself because um uh ta 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 let me pull it up. Um so on, I can't remember what day. Let me see if I can open it up. So there is a house, um, H.R. 1117. Um, it's a U.S. Citizenship Act. It was presented in 2021. Let me see if I can get the exact date for you. Let me open the link so I can get the exact date for you. Um, so this was presented. It has not passed. But when President Biden was running for office, he did talk about um, immigration, oh, not overhaul, but um, some changes in the current immigration laws. So this H.R. 1117 was meant to address it, you all, and it is long. Um, I will put the link, as a matter of fact, I'm going to put the link in the chat in case you want to read it. And I'll also add it to the description after. Um, so in case you, know, you want to read it for yourself um but it's it's extensive like it's, it it's very detailed um again it has not passed um it was submitted on uh February 18 2021 so about a, a year a little over a year after president biden i mean not a year a month whoops oh, i said a year a month um after he was sworn into office. And it addresses the DREAM Act. It addresses agricultural workers, the American Promise Act, um, visas, you know, strategy for engagement in Central America. Like, it addresses several, several things, um, like the Central American Refugee Program, the Central American Miners Program. Like, it addresses a lot. And you all, I, as as an educator, and then as a special needs educator, I had quite a few Black children in my classroom, as well as Latina, uh, Latinx children in my classroom. And I also worked with a um, nonprofit organization where um, we, we work with first-generation college students. They were actually middle school and high school students who would become first-generation college students. And so I taught a lot of Latinx Students and we got, I got an opportunity to talk to them about their home country or their, you know, their, they were born in America, but their family's home country and how some of their family members are undocumented and how some of the struggles that they dealt with in their country, some of the struggles that they have dealt with here as a young Latinx person. And so I'm thankful for that experience because it was a few years I got to know them and sit with them and talk with them and just hear their passion and hear their heart for making change you know, in their community. And so I really, Again, my heart goes out to my Latinx sisters and brothers. All right. So I'm going to end there um, with the, with immigration. I added the link to the chat if you want to go back and read even some of the highlights of the U.S. Citizenship um, Act, H.R. 1177. Then you can do that. All right. I'm going to take another sip. My mom and my aunt are laughing at me because I threw my head back. There's a story there, but I won't share it. (laughs) It might go go with me to the grave, y'all. And if my mama tried to tell it, y'all don't listen to it. Tell her, "Mm -mm, no, we, we, mm mm-mm. All right, so you all, this is another sad story. I did not mean to do sad stories today, but it just, this, my heart went out to this mom as well. So this happened in Houston, Texas. Um, there was a young man. Um, I don't know if I wrote his name down. I don't have his name, and that's okay. Um, but he was killed, y'all. He was killed. The the what the police think is that he met with another man, and possibly they got in an argument, and he was murdered. So you know, so that happened. But but the thing about it is, so after one of the gentlemen uh, murdered the father. Um, he took his, he jumped in his black SUV and he took off. There was a child, a two-year-old child in the SUV. Now, so the man who got shot, he was 38. He was shot to death. Um, He was 38 years old. And it is unclear, currently unclear, at, or at the time that I was reading this article, it was unclear if the alleged murderer knew that the baby was in the seat, like we, like was in the, um, in the car, in the car seat in the SUV. It's unclear, but they found the SUV ten miles from where the the um, alleged murder incident happened. Okay, and so. This happened, let me see if there was a time frame that this happened. So this happened about 1.46 p.m. on Tuesday, um, that this murder happened, that this man was found shot to death. They did not know that there was a child, that his son was in the car with them until The wife, around 6:36 p.m. the same evening, she called 911 to report her husband and her child missing, and the details that she shared with the 911 operator uh, immediately had the police thinking about this murder victim um, that they found at 1:46 that afternoon, and so when she reported, like there was a child, so that's they didn't know until she reported the missing and they went to you know they were able to find the suv i don't know how long it took them but they were able to find the suv when they got there they they broke the windows to the suv to get the baby out they did try to revive him they did call you know um 911 and the ambulance came but they felt like he passed away in the car. And so it's unclear right now how the two-year-old passed away. They don't know if it was because of he or whatever they are doing, doing an autopsy uh, to determine his you know, cause of death. And so now we have this mom without her husband and her child. And and you know, I'm thinking that I, it didn't say that the place where they found the child at, if it was like in an abandoned parking lot, or in an abandoned, like near an abandoned building. And so I don't know exactly where the SUV was found. And, you know, or if it it could have been in a parking space, but if the windows were dark, you know, nobody would have seen the baby inside. And it could have been in a space where the baby, even if the baby had been crying before they passed away. And I say baby, he's two, but Even if the the two-year-old the baby, call him baby, you know, even if he was crying, he could have been in an area where no one heard him. It's possible the baby could have been asleep and didn't know, you know, because y'all know how babies do. They will go to sleep when they ride in a car. I'm an adult and sometimes I'm going to go to sleep riding in a car. And so the baby could have been asleep, you know, um, the autopsy, you know, will reveal all of that when they do it. But um, I was sad to hear this, you know and i appreciate the law enforcement the police officers and the emergency responders you know trying to revive the baby you know cuz you know you never know god god raises a dead every day you know what i mean and so it's possible he could have you know that there could have been life still in the baby but you know he did pass away and so our prayers are with the mom and um you know with the i don't it didn't say if the, the mom had other siblings or not but our prayers are with the mom and her family okay so just wanted to share that we just, you know, I um. There are there are several like I'm thinking about fate like Facebook groups because I have a, a colleague and she's like join she's a part of this Facebook group where they they barter goods like where they exchanging like. Like, if you have this Keurig machine and I have, like, this baby car seat, you know, let's swap. Like, they do a lot of swapping. There are online, y'all know there are online sale sites where you can, you know, purchase a car or purchase baby items or purchase bedroom furniture or whatever. Y'all got to close my windows, so I'm going to keep talking. I need to start closing my blinds and everything before I do my show because I know it's going to get dark, but I'm about to get up and do it right now. where you can buy things. And you know, y'all, you've got to be so careful nowadays. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I need to do this, I start right, making sure. So the first thing I do when I get home is throw off my shoes, usually wash my hands, Clothes go flying, so I can put some some house clothes on, and I'm opening the windows and blinds because I love natural light. And I it, I thought about it today. Um, I'm a, I'm gonna pour me some more uh, muscadine. I thought about it tonight. I was like, you know what? I really need to close my blinds before sipping say because I know it's gonna get dark, y'all. I didn't do it. <laughs> and what I need to recognize is like the days are getting um darker sooner. I feel like because. I think when I first started Sip and Say um, this, you know, earlier this year, of course, the the daylight is, there's more daylight during the, you know, more daylight later in the evening, but now the days are getting darker, you know, quicker. That's what I'm trying to say. You would think I'm drinking some real wine, right? Can't get my thoughts together. (laughs) I'm going to take a sip. But it's alcohol free. (laughs) But anyway, so so I was saying um, there are so many sites where people are selling things and where people buy things, because a lot of times you can get some really good stuff for cheap. I only did at one time about five or six years ago, and it was on a job. It was for my job. I was assistant director of an early learning center in Raleigh, and this lady was selling like y'all, she had a bundle of toys for a little bit of money. And so I told the director, I was like, I really like, like check this out. What you think about this? And she was like, okay, cool. Let's get it. And the lady actually brought all the toys that she had to the center and so we were all there. We received it. The toys were in great condition. We were able, There were two centers at the time, so we were able to share, you know, the toys between the two centers, and that worked out very well. That's the only time I have ever met anybody as it relates to, like, an online selling or anything like that, because it could be good. You can get some really great stuff for a great deal, but it can also be dangerous, you know? And we don't know, like the article just says they felt they think the two men were meeting for what for whatever purpose we don't know, you know, and the suspect is still at large, so we you know whether they hopefully they'll catch him and maybe they can get some more details about um what the exchange was between these two men, but currently you know the police they don't know um and possibly the wife can offer some insight because maybe. He told him, you know, I'm going, I'm meeting this guy first to buy a new car or something like that or whatever. And so maybe the wife can shed some insight on that. But you just we just have to be very careful, you all, when we when it comes to meeting people. Even online dating, like I do know people. There are two people that I know. Um, one is a friend of mine, one is a colleague at a school that I used to work at. They found love online. Like they did online dating. They're both married. You know, I know my friend is happily married, you know, her husband, I, you know, he's cool. And he's cool. I I, yeah, I really like him. He's real cool. Um, my colleague, I, we had her wedding, you know, um, not, I'm about to say wedding reception, but her wedding shower at the school. And so I don't know how she's doing, you know, because I haven't taught her. We were not, you know, close colleagues. We were just like a hey and a bye type of a colleague. So I don't know how she's doing, but I do know that there are people who who, who find love on dating sites and it's, you know, the intentions are pure and the intentions are good and marriages have happened. And then, you know, we've heard stories, you all, where a person meets someone online and it turns out. Deadly, like it it or or, or it, I should say it ends deadly, so let's just be careful. We know when we're meeting people, we don't know where um you know it's it's so if you can, it's okay to do you know do do some research, you know, find out who this person is. It's okay to do that. um, if you're gonna meet with them, I will just suggest meet in a public place um where there's a lot of people um meet in the day um and not at night. Be mindful of your surroundings. Like, check out the car. Be like, is he, is he by himself or is she by themselves? Or they got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten people in the car. Like, you know, just, just be careful. Be discerning. Be prayerful. Be careful. So, again, my, my heart looks like, you know, this is the baby, you know. Oh. So, okay. All right. I'm going to move on from there. Have y'all heard about this TikTok ch- So I don't have TikTok. I'm in the Stone Ages. I'm in the Stone Ages, and I'm proud to be. Have y'all heard about this TikTok challenge? So I was on... What was I doing? I was on YouTube doing something. I Who knows? Looking at some videos. Whatever I was doing. Um... I was on YouTube and I saw, um, it was a picture. I think somebody had maybe taken a picture. I don't, it wasn't the actual video. I don't think it was. It could have been. So it could have been the actual video and you know how you show, you see the picture to start the video or it could have been a picture of this happening. But there is a TikTok challenge you all to cook chicken in NyQuil. So the picture showed the night quill was was in the in the frying pan it looked like a it looked like an iron skillet is what it looked like um but the um the, there was two chicken breasts in the pan and the quail like you can see the green or blue, it's bluish green night quill in the pan y'all gonna try it <laughs> are y'all gonna try to cook some chicken and some doggone going night quill y'all I, There have been several TikTok challenges that have happened over the you know last couple of years or however many years. I can't say. Again, I'm not on TikTok. A lot of times when these these challenges happen, I find out about them like later, like months later. Sometimes I don't find out until the next year. Like I didn't even know until um, like a uh, during the summertime listening to Eddie B comedy. I didn't know that there was a TikTok challenge for I think for our students to like hit their teacher or slap their teacher. I don't know if any any of the, because, you know, TikTok appeals to a younger demographics, like preteens, teenagers, and there's, there are some adults that are on TikTok too, you know, but I know it appeals to the younger generation. And so I don't know if any of the teens or preteens or the kids tried this with their teachers. All I can say is I'm glad I wasn't in the classroom. Well, my kids are pre my pre-K kids and I don't, you know, they they wouldn't be interested in in TikTok anyway, I don't think. But like for like middle school, older elementary school, high school students, I don't know if any of them ever tried it, but Lord, let me tell you. <laughs> me and Jesus on the mainline, I'm gonna have to tell them what I want. So, um, there have been other, um, I'm trying to think. I, I was reading about a recent challenge, I think I reported it on Sip and Say. I don't remember what it was, but some of the TikTok challenges have caused death, like, it has caused death, and I don't, I don't know why these young people do these things that are dangerous i don't know if it's because of they they find it thrilling it, or or if it's because they don't have nothing else to do why not it looks like i'll be okay um I don't know. I don't know what the appeal is. Like I really don't. I'm sitting here thinking about well, what did we do when I was younger? Like what what was the things that, that appealed to us? I, I don't know. Drinking, like drinking appealed to us, you know. Um, I mean partying, like going to parties, that that appealed to us. Um, of course, we're, you know, still in a pandemic, even though we're at the tail end. So I don't know how many schools, because we went to the school parties and our community had parties at the, um, at the armory, they had parties for the young people. And, you know, me and my cousin have, we, have we, I think we only went to, I feel like I went to two. Me and her may have went to one together. I know we went to one together, but I feel like I've gone to more than just the one, and then there was this other place that my mom took us when we were younger. It was like some kind of youth dance party that we went to. And so those are the things that I felt like appealed to us. I don't remember us doing anything crazy outside of that Ouija board I was telling y'all about last week. Y'all, I had it wrong. I was not in high school when that Ouija board bought out. I, was, I think I was in seventh grade, if I'm not mistaken, because it was a young girl who lived in a trailer park up from my grandparents' house and then up from where my great aunt stayed, close to my great-aunt's house. And so we had the, I think it was her birthday party, and we had it at her, you know, we had a sleepover at her house. And I think I was in seventh grade then. It wasn't high school, if I'm not mistaken. So that appealed to her. That didn't appeal to me, but, you know, I don't know. And we did the bloody, the what was it, y'all? The Bloody Mary? Not Bloody Mary, that's a drink. It was like um, some type of... a. I guess I could call it a challenge. Y'all remember the movie Carrie that came out? Um, I watched it years ago and then they've had a recent Carrie, but it was something about like, she was killing all the high school school chums at the prom. And so there was some kind of challenge, I guess I can call it going out about you standing in the dark, In the and you know you're facing the mirror and you're supposed to call Carrie or something like that. I can't remember because it's been so long ago. And yes, I tried to do it. Stupid, still, still, stupid. Trying to do it, trying to figure out what it was. Anyway, like those are some of the things I guess that appealed to us when we were younger. But like NyQuil, if you heat, like I was reading it. Um, let me read it, y'all. If you boil medication, it can make it more concentrated and change its properties. It could literally make you sick to do something like this. And so the FDA, they did put out a statement, more a warning. And so this is partly part of what they said. Social media trends and peer pressure can be dangerous. Excuse me, let me say that again. Let me say how they how they spoke it. Social media trends and peer pressure can be a dangerous combination to your children and their friends, especially when involving misusing medications. One social media trend relying on peer pressure is online video clips of people misusing non-prescription medications and encouraging viewers to do so too. These video challenges, which often target youths, can harm people and even cause death y'all please do not do these tiktok challenges i don't again i don't know why young people do it i don't even know why the people who make these videos i don't even know why they put them out i don't know if they need to get views or get likes or they're trying to you know boost up their what their their channel because maybe it'll lead to monetization like I don't know. I don't know why the challenges are put out there. I don't know why people do the challenge. But all I can say is, all I can say and encourage us to do is parents, grandparents, legal guardians, whoever is in charge of the children in the house, pay attention to what your children are doing. Pay attention to what they are watching. Pay attention to their social media accounts. I know that there are some parents who have parental controls, on their children's social media account and on their phone. Check plus plus to you, kudos to you. Yes, do that. But there are some parents who like, well, I don't wanna put parental controls. Like I don't want to invade my child's privacy. Like I don't wanna invade their social media privacy or their phone privacy. If I'm paying the bill, I'm going to invade all kinds of privacies that I want to invade. Let me tell you, matter of fact, I will take your phone for a month or two months or for six months or for a year if I feel like it, because I'm paying this doggone bill. And yes, I would have checks on the on their social media accounts. I would definitely do that. And talking about privacy, I'm going to say it like Tyler Perry said it as Medea, you live in this house there ain't no privacy. I will take the doors off the hinges. Don't play. When it comes, you want to have some privacy, doors off the hinges, go in the bathroom. And I dare you to lock the door to the bathroom. I better be able to get in there. And I ain't going to break my door down trying to get in. So, you you know, let's just pay attention to what our children are doing. Let's just be aware, have some conversations with them. Let us know how they're feeling emotionally and mentally and spiritually and physically. Let's keep the lines of communication open with our children so we'll know what's happening in their lives with their friends, with their boyfriend or girlfriend, if they're dating, with their sports, with other organizations that they might be connected with. Stay in your children's face, let me tell you. Because if they are bullying or if they are bullying somebody, but if they're being bullied... Hopefully, the lines of communication are open enough that they will tell you that so that you can help your child through. There have been children as young as eight, you all, who have killed themselves because they were being bullied. And I don't know, you know, they that eight-year-old, 10-year-old, 12, they may not have expressed that I'm being bullied at school, mama. I'm being bullied at school, daddy. You know, they may didn't have the words or the full comprehension to express that this is happening to me and I'm hurt by it, I'm I'm angry by it, I'm sad by it. They may didn't have the words or the understanding to navigate their feelings enough to express them. So let's y'all keep the line, or they could have been a child that their mama always said, go sit down somewhere. Don't come over here and talk to me. I'm tired. You know, keep the lines of communication open with your children. So if they are in trouble or when they get in trouble, you know, your children, they can come to you for help, for support, for guidance, for love, for care, for nurturing, and if correction is needed, for correction as well, you know? (sighs) So, yeah, y'all, I don't know. About this NyQuil challenge, you know, um, I'm glad that the FDA did put out a statement to let, you know, young people and, and adults know that this TikTok challenge is very unsafe, And just so you know, um, the actual challenge wasn't, like I said already, it was encouraging people to cook chicken in NyQuil NyQuil, or another similar over-the-counter cough and cold medication before eating. If you go look for it on YouTube or if you do have a TikTok account, you'll you'll be able to see it. Um, At the time that the um, FDA put out the statement, they weren't sure how many people have tried it or if anybody did try it you know I don't know but um but yeah I just I don't know I don't know if people need attention or you know if it's attention seeking or what or what it is I just I really don't know because again I don't I don't know anything about TikTok except for it, except that it's for videos. Like people do quick videos and things like that. Outside of that, I don't know much about, you know, TikTok. But um, but anyway, my aunt, um, she's a uh, said I said, y'all gonna try it? And mine said, no. She also said, I'm frying in oil, amen. If I'm gonna cook some chicken, it's going in the slow cooker, in the air fryer, or it's going in a pan with some oil. Or, I have boiled chicken before, like when I'm gonna make a pot pie, I will boil my chicken um on the on the stove, and so that's about all I'm doing with some chicken, or if it's freshly you know if it's already like pre cooked like I've got some chicken strips in the um refrigerator because i made some salads y'all i made some salads y'all i might have to get one of my salads and show y'all but i made some salads i'll talk about that in a minute but anyway that's how i'm you know i brought that up to say i'm gonna chop the chicken and put it in a salad like we ain't putting no kind of medications or anything like that in the food like no 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 (laughs) My mom mentioned there is not enough quality time spent with with um, with parents, so the parents and the children don't spend enough quality time together. Um, Children think they are invincible; they do Um, attracts attention. Yep, all of the activities on these social media sites is attracted to the flesh. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The Bible does say that um and my mom also noted that children need positive training, they need discipline and they need love. I totally agree, and my mom also noted that the destruction of our children before they before they live, so I'm thinking the destruction of our children before they you know live into adulthood and you know are able to live their lives. So y'all, let's just pray. Pray for the children in your family, y'all. Just if you have um, children, you know, pray for them and with them. Grant your grandchildren, your nieces and your nephews, your little cousins. Let's just pray for the children in our family because there is a lot of peer peer pressure out there. I do remember experiencing peer pressure when I was in middle school and high school. Our my high school and middle school was a combination. It was 7th grade to 12th grade. Um at that time, and so I do remember some pressure. I didn't re- I I didn't get a lot of peer pressure, but I did have some peer pressure um when I was in middle school and high school. Um, the peer pressure that I succumbed to was drink. Like, I I never got drunk. Like, never, ever, 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 never have I ever been drunk. But I would take sips of alcohol. And since we're all adults now and not in school, there was, there may or may not have been alcohol brought to the school and drank at the school. Maybe, maybe not. So... I did take some sips, like never drank i i I probably never even drank like a half of a glass, like they were you know but, uh, anywho <laughs> I'm too old to get in trouble for it I'm over twenty one now but 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 we did like that's the peer pressure that I succumbed to um there was peer pressure to curse like i i don't I don't curse like I do not curse in conversation um. So there was, like, pressure from one of my friends when I was in, I think, sixth sixth grade to curse. And I was like, why Like, do you want me to curse so bad? You know, like, what's the appeal? Like, what is it? And so she said, well, just say this. I'm like, no, I'm not going to say it. And I eventually said, like, one word. And she was like, yes, yeah, Stephanie, curse. I don't know why it was such a big deal. Um, I don't even know what the word was. It wasn't a harsh curse word. But I don't know what it was, but I do remember saying it. And she was like, she was like so excited that I said a curse word. And I was just like, okay, I'm glad to that I made you happy. So that wasn't, you know, I didn't have a lot going on as far as peer pressure. Yeah. So anywho, just know what your kid's doing. I was going to... Yes, okay, I'm gonna start right there. Let me keep moving before I get into some more trouble. So I really wanted to mention, because it's 7.49, I'm actually moving rather quickly, I feel like, but I just wanted to mention this, you all, for those of you who don't know that the Jackson water crisis is still happening. Like, uh, I mean, everybody on the face of the, of the planet I was about to say earth and planet together. Everybody on the face of the earth, everybody on the planet needs clean drinking water, needs clean water to bathe, needs clean water to wash your hands, needs clean water to wash your clothes. Like we all need clean water and clean, you know, washing water, Clothes and body, and then clean drinking water to stay hydrated and to nurture our bodies. In August of this, in August of this year, there was historic flooding in Mississippi, and it damaged there. It damaged a major water pump. Excuse me, let me say it right. A major pump at the O.B. Curtis Water Plant, and that is the main. Water treatment facility in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, As a result, it left about 150,000 Mississippians without drinkable water. I don't know if you saw any of the videos, but I did not mean to watch a video, but I think I was um, watching a news broadcast. um, Probably was Roland Martin, and um, he was talking about it on his show, like when it happened. And one of the, whoever they were interviewing, like I think they were just showing a video as he was talking and one of the Mississippians turned on the water and it was brown water coming out of the faucet. It is important for us to note that Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, has mostly Black residents. There are, according to the census, there were... um, there are eighty-two point five percent Black Mississippians in Jackson, and sixteen point two percent White Mississippians in Jackson. I'm um, there. They are and I, I just paused because I was just thinking, like, man. I, so they've been drinking like it was initially told to them to boil their water, but then I mean you can't you can't boil brown water, so they eventually started passing out water bottles to the citizens in Jackson. There were some churches and other community organizations you know supporting this effort to get bottled water into the hands of the people in Jackson. Um, their uh, mayor, Mr Lamumba. I don't want to mess up his first name. Chakwe, maybe? Um, Antara Labumba. Labumba. Um, He noted that um, he feels like the crisis, uh, attribute the, what attributed to the crisis was staffing shortages, system issues, and multiple equipment failures. And this is a quote from him when he was on ABC News Prime, Um, He shared, this is due to decades, decades, and decades of possibly 30 years or more of deferred maintenance, a lack of capital improvements made to the system, a lack of a human capital, and a workforce plan that accounted for the challenges that our water treatment facility suffers from, all right? And so it is important to note that over the last 40 years, Jackson has become a result of white flight, and that's when white people start moving out of neighborhoods um to go to other people because it's starting to get too black for them and so with these white families that have moved out of jackson the taxes that they were paying with with them you know and so um the lack of taxes to support the infrastructure in the community you know that they feel like or it is thought that that contributed to the failure in the system. Um, I also wanted I want to note that there have been millions of dollars that have already been poured into Jackson, Mississippi, to support them um they are actually set to receive well let me say this which is so it did receive 30 million dollars um last year they're set to receive 26 million dollars in the state uh in state revolving funds this year and they have noted um 13 million is currently being spent to help you know this water crisis that they're having in Jackson. So apparently like the mayor said this has been going on for a lot longer than this particular water plant system failing during the flooding. Um, the, in December the EPA announced that Mississippi would get nearly 70 million for water infrastructure projects as part of the bipartisan infrastructure law. Y'all remember me going over the infrastructure law that um, President Biden um, passed. And so they're getting, it says, about $75 million in monies as part of that law, signed into law November 21st. Um, also in the next five years, Mississippi, uh, Jackson, or Mississippi, rather the state, is expected to receive $400 million through this infrastructure law. That's a lot of money. I don't remember how much money, I think it was in the billions. Maybe it was 1.2 billion or somewhere around in there was given to support states with the infrastructure law. And so I'm hoping that... Jackson and, you know, Mississippi and Jackson and the other cities in Mississippi that needed that they will use the money wisely to support the systems and infrastructures in their state so that this won't happen again. Hopefully this will not happen again. I also want to note that Jackson runs its own water this article notes Jackson runs his own water, making it harder to fix a system because not enough taxes are being collected due to shifting demographics at white flight. Um, and so, you know, you got to have taxes to do things that are needed in the community and in your state. So, and of course, you can read more about this on your own, about this water crisis. Um they uh, like who who said this? Um, so there's a gentleman from the Lafayette School of Public Affairs at the University of Wisconsin Madison. His name is Manny Manny Teodoro. So he feels like systemic. Problems have been an issue in Mississippi, which he's he's right about that. There is ra- racism is still alive and well in Mississippi. Don't don't get fooled. But he feels like the water crisis is um, well. Let me just read this quote: "The disaster is a legacy of racial racial hatred, but also the work of leaders who found it politically expedient to ignore the city's water problems for decades instead of solving them." Um, Last thing I'm going to say about this is there are Jackson residents who have filed a federal class action lawsuit against the city, past, and current city officials, okay? In addition to the infrastructure engineering companies for their purported or alleged role in this water crisis. So stay tuned to the lawsuit. Don't know what it is or what it's going to look like, but the citizens have filed a lawsuit. A federal class action lawsuit. And this, actually, when I was reading this article, it put me in the mind of Flint, Michigan. You guys remember Flint is predominantly Black and how they had, uh, when they switched, how their water was being received to the community. Um, it caused some contamination to come to the water and they had a water crisis for several years. And I think, I feel like they they may still be recovering um in Flint Michigan and so um I remember there were children that were getting sick in Flint Michigan I don't remember if anyone died from it but the children were getting sick in Flint Michigan and um that is one of the um ways that they found that there was some lead um Yep, so they did. They lost uh twelve children. I mean, I'm sorry, they lost twelve individuals and then I don't know how many of those were children because it doesn't say. So the children ingested the lid. I do remember them talking about that, but it doesn't state how many, you know, individuals passed away. But um so anyway, the Jackson water crisis reminded me of Flint, Michigan, both of them in predominantly Black areas. Yeah. And y'all, now, since I'm talking about Mississippi, I am going to say this. Because this, this I mean, I'm going to read my mom's comments in just a minute, but this goes online. We're talking about children. I don't know if you all heard, heard about this, but the Mississippi governor, Phil Bryant, and Brett Fev, I don't know how to say Brett Favre. S-A-V-R-E. He is a former quarterback. I don't know who, who he played for, but he's a Hall of Famer. He's a former quarterback. Anyway, the Mississippi governor, and Brett Favre have been exchanging text messages. It's come to light that they have been exchanging text messages that indicate that millions, that a hundred million, if I'm not mistaken, but millions of money, they were siphoning millions of money from a federal program that was meant to help the poor. Meant to help the poor and the children, and these two individuals, amongst other individuals, were to steal money from children and from the poor. How low can you get to steal money from children and the poor? The Bible tells us to take care of the widows and the children. Um, you know, sometimes we 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 think widows as being like older people, but widow, you know, can be in their 30s or 20s. But anyway, the Bible says take care of the widows and the children. And these folks in Mississippi stealing from the children and from the poor. So there is a a nonprofit manager. Her name is Nancy New. She was also involved in these series of text messages that have been, have been like you can see like somebody, um, I don't know, who released the text messages, but Nancy knew who was a nonprofit manager who was involved in these text messages. She actually gave the text messages over to the authorities, but I don't know who leaked them. Like if she did or if they did or whatever, if it's public knowledge now that it's in the hands of the authority, I don't know. But anyway, I was reading these text messages, y'all, because they were on social media. And I was reading about this last week, They were on social media because Brett is like, can this be traced back to us? Like, will anybody find out? Will the public find out? Will the media find out? Like, he was trying to make sure that nobody ever found out that they were stealing money from the poor. So anyway, this nonprofit manager, Nancy New, she... um. She and her son pled guilty to misusing public funds in exchange for their testimony against the other individuals. Um, John Davis, who at the time that this happened, he was the state welfare excuse me, let me say that right, the state welfare Agency director. he was also accused of helping the governor and Brett, and Nancy New and whoever else, siphon this money from the poor. Steal this money from the poor, but he has pled not guilty. Watch all things. Add it to the chat, add it to the comments. How you gonna steal from the... Like... I don't know how much money the governor of Mississippi makes. I don't know how much this Nancy New makes. I don't know how much, much this John Davis makes. I don't know how much Nancy New's son makes because he would play guilty as well. I don't know how much money Brett Fav still has in his in his bank account, but I'm thinking they got some money. And they still taking money, like it's like the rich stealing from the poor. Like you got money, but you taking money from those who need it most. Like, are you kidding me? Send all they hind parts. Like all of them need to be in jail. Gather all of them up and send them hind parts straight to jail. Hear me. Send they tails to jail. I digress. (laughs) But what y'all think about this? Like people in high positions. Stealing, like stealing money, embezzling. Well, this is not an embezzlement case. I, I don't think it is. But I'm thinking about. I was reading an article of another city or state official who embezzled a hundred. I must think it was like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. People in high positions stealing from people who need it the most, or for people who the money is supposed to be used for. Like if you're stealing city money or county money, that's to be used for the city or the county for the constituents for the citizens. These. Folks is stealing from a federal program. Send they tails to jail, dog. On it, and I think they still walking around chilling. Send them tails to jail, stealing from the poor, stealing from children. A hundred, if I'm not mistaken, it was a hundred million dollars. I'm gonna look it up real quick to make sure that I have it right. Um, but I think, um, I think it was a hundred million, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look it up to make sure okay I got I, I gave them too much um so this article says seventy million he got about eight million for himself so we'll say about seventy million that's still a lot of money to be taken from if it's a, if it was one million it's still too much money to take from 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 money that is supposed to use to support the citizens in your state to help them. I don't know what the money was for. I don't know if it was for community programs, after school programs, food programs. I don't know what the money was for specifically, but for whatever it was for, it was sent to be used for children and for the poor. Seventy million. I got my figure wrong, and y'all might see another figure somewhere. So it, it was millions. I'm just saying, I'm gonna just say it for sure. it was millions. <sighs> make them pay it back. Yes, I want to make them pay every. I mean, down to the penny. Make them pay it back. Like they should be in. Like I want to know why they still walking free. <sighs> I digress. I'm going to take a sip. Calm calm my nerves. And I'm going to say it. Most of the poor in Mississippi, I don't know this for sure. I don't know the statistics. But I'm thinking most of the poor in Mississippi... are are Black people, are they Black citizens? And of course, Mississippi still has some deep-seated racism, even today in 2022. Don't care. Don't care about the people they're stealing from. Don't care about the people that will not have the resources that that money was sent to help them with. It's so horrible when people in power take advantage of their position. It's horrible. Like, it's so, it's, it's, man, that's why we have to be so careful. Yes, I'm about to talk about voting. That's why we have to be so careful who we vote into office at the local level, at the state level, at the federal level. We need to be so careful who we vote for, our city council people, our county officials, our mayors, our governors, our U.S. senators, our state House of Representatives, our um, state representatives, our state um, legislators, and then our U.S. legislators, our U.S. House of Representatives. Like, we need to be so careful who we vote into office, you all. I'm telling you. I just, whew. It just made me mad, It just made me mad. So anyway, my mom noted when we are talking about the um the um crisis in in Mississippi with the water and Flint Michigan water crisis. She noted it, sound... she um uh, Oh, okay. I think mom noted this when I was just talking about the um um, the the uh, the them stealing the money from the poor. Anyway, mom noted it sounds like they are getting the money. How is it being allocated? And She also noted in the chat, do you think they are neglecting them to manipulate them during voting time? You know, I don't know. I, I think you're talking about the Mississippi and the people in Mississippi. I really don't know. Um, I mean, I can't say. I I. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. So, I don't know. I'll let you draw your own, you know, conclusion on that. What do y'all think about that? My, I want to notice some people don't need to be in charge of other people's money, and that's correct, because that money comes from taxpayers. Any type of money that is poured into communities comes from taxpayers. That's why we have to be careful who we elect and not elect in, uh, in office, because like we're paying state taxes and we're paying federal taxes. Federal dollars is what's poured back into states so that states can pour that money back into communities communities, as an edu- as an EC educator, I have a dual license as a regular education, excuse me, teacher and a, an EC, a special needs education teacher. I have a dual license. I am paid by federal dollars. There is a federal program that supports education. And so that money is poured into my state and my county for my paycheck. Is federal dollars. I do get paid some county dollars as well, but most of my salary, if not all of it, comes from federal dollars. So my taxpayers are being siphoned in back to my paycheck or your paycheck or somebody else's paycheck, but that's how federal programs are funded. Like state programs are funded through state funds. Local programs are funded through local fund funds, but also those state and local get federal dollars, depending on what the program is, they get federal dollars Poured into them. And so I agree. Some people should not be in charge of, of other people's money. Like there, I don't know like the checks and balances. And so we got the we have the governor of Mississippi who is working with these other individuals to Steal this money? I don't know what the checks and balances is for the governor. Like I'm thinking, you know, you got the lieutenant governor, you got other individuals at the state level. Like nobody is checking. Like you got the the state treasurer. Like was the state treasurer of Mississippi not paying attention to how this money was being used? Or was the state treasurer in on it? It doesn't say that the state treasurer was in on it. So I don't want to put it out there like that. But like, where was the checks and balances for this money that was being taken? You know, I don't. I I didn't do an extensive research, so I don't know if this money was being channeled through this nonprofit um, that that this young lady who pled guilty she's involved in. I don't know like how the money was fund, uh, funneled through Mississippi. But I agree. There are people that should not be in charge of money because they, uh, it's t- like uh, 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 there is seventy million dollars in front of me. I have access to seventy million dollars of, of of money that is not mine. It's gonna take the Holy Ghost. For me, not to, I'm not going. I'm not going to steal nobody else's money, y'all. I, I won't do it. But I'm just saying, for some, let me just say, for some people, you're looking at that seventy million dollars flashing on the screen. For some people, it's going to take the Holy Ghost to keep them from accessing that money into their personal funds. For me. The Holy Ghost would beat me up so bad. I, I even if I thought about it, like the Holy Ghost would get to get the whip. Like Jesus got the whip out with the money changers, the whip would come out, and I would be beat so bad I couldn't do it. But I don't want to anyway. Like I don't want to take anybody else's money. I'm I'm not an embezzler. That's just I've never done anything like that. I just, cause I don't want to deal with or have access to anybody else's money but mine. Like I have a team of individuals that I work with that um, that, that that I am responsible for making sure they get paid. I don't even I don't I don't and I don't mind that but I tell them often like I don't want to touch you, I don't want to be involved with your money. You give me your time sheet, I'm gonna get it signed and get it to the right person. That's all I wanna have to do with it. But I'm responsible for making sure that they their time sheet gets in and that they get paid, you know? And like I said, that's something small, it's just a small group of people. I don't even wanna do that, more or less have access to or have to manage millions of dollars like i am not a financial person that's not what i do i can budget my own funds and i can work it out myself but you know i, I just I, I know i don't want to like i i just don't want to but anyway hey creative hands how you doing but yeah y'all i just man I so now what are the people gonna do like 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 I don't know what happens you all when think when when money is embezzled like i I've heard of like embezzlement cases where the individuals do have to pay the money back like to a city or to a state or to an organization in a situation like this where they took federal dollars. I don't know if there are other federal dollars to be poured in to make up for the federal dollars that were stolen. Until that money is paid back, if that is the expectation, like I don't know if more money is going to be given to to this these to help these um, groups of people, these poor individuals, these children. I don't know if they do make. These, uh, the governor and um, Nancy New and her son and John Davis and Brett Fev, if they make them pay it back, like, how are they gonna give them a time frame? Like, are they gonna say y'all need to have it paid back by December t- 31st, 2022, or January 31st, 2023? Like, I don't know, you know, how this is gonna play out, but I'm gonna be watching because I think they should have to pay, like my aunt said. Every single month, every single penny that they stole from this federal program, they should have to pay it back. I agree with that. All right, y'all. I have two more. I have one more thing I want to say, and I'm done. I've already told you, y'all. It's Hispanic Heritage Month, so happy Hispanic Heritage Month to all my Latina, Latina, Latino, Latinx, uh, Mexican Americans. Our Hispanic Americans, our Latino Americans, happy Hispanic Heritage Month to you again. September fifteenth through September fifteenth through October fifteenth, we are celebrating the contributions that they have made to America and to our world at large, and the culture we are celebrating their rich history and their rich culture. So celebration to you, to my Hispanic and our Latino American. Uh, sisters and brothers. All right. So y'all, or how do they pay if they are in jail? A- assets. They get to their assets, investments, stocks and bonds. If they got a house to sell that house, like they have ways to get to their money because their their assets can be frozen. Just like, because I believe. I don't know if they did or not, so I won't say. But yeah, they can freeze their assets and get their money and do what they need to do. I'm not saying that they will, but that is one way. If they are in jail, that's one way to get the money back, to freeze their assets and to use that to pay um, back the money that they stole. And they better get them quick because they might try to transfer that money, you know, somewhere, somewhere else. I I don't know, but that's one way to get it. So, you know, I think I want to start doing this at the end. I'm going to wrap up Sip and Say, but I think I want to start doing this at the end of every Sip and Say with Stephanie. Just leave you with something encouraging and something to lift your spirit and something for you to think about. So I started thinking about mental health and like mental health is... I don't know if it is a major crisis as it once was but I because I believe that people are starting to talk more and open up more and get therapy sessions lined up and attend therapy sessions and go to counselors and psychiatrists and psychologists like I feel like people are more open to receive the help that they need as it relates to their mental health But I want to encourage us, you know, if you have a loved one, if you are the loved one, if you have a loved one or a colleague or a coworker, someone that expresses their um, need for help because their mental capacity is low or they are suffering from depression or whatever the case may be, I want to share some tips with you to support them, okay? So I'm getting these tips. I'm going to share the link with you right now. I am getting these tips. Remember, I I talked to you maybe a couple of sip and say's ago about the Black Women's Health Imperative. You all, if if you can, subscribe to their channel on YouTube. They have some amazing workshops as it relates to mental health, as it relates to women's health. In particular, Black women's health, because it is a Black women's health imperative. Um, they have some amazing like um, video, like videos, resources, workshops. I went to their anniversary celebration last year. They did it online, and it was one of the best um, celebrations I've ever been to. I was introduced to like sound a sound bath. I'll try to find the sound bath link and add it to the description. Let me write it down. And I was int- like, we did some yoga and I was introduced to a sound bath. I had never heard of a sound bath before, um, but it was it was a beautiful experience. Now, some of, of, of the listeners might think that's a little odd. You know, once you see the video, you might think uh-uh, this ain't right, like this ain't spiritual, but it was a spiritual experience for me. And so I'll share it with you and you can decide if it's something that you want to do or not. But anyway, they have some great videos. They have some great information. I know one time the singer Sierra, she did like a serving, um, like a serving session that talked about our cervix and taking care of our cervix. Like they, they, they have a program for individuals who might be like pre-diabetic to help you with your health and um, eating habits and things like that, y'all. They just have some. It's a wonderful. Um, resource for Black women and for the Black community. So I encourage you to check out their website, subscribe to their channel, and just glean all of the information that they have to give. All right, so back to our mental health. This particular article is called I Gotcha: Mental Health, Your Friend and You. Again, this is not mine. This is on the Black Women's Health Imperative website, it was actually published on July 25th, 2017. So look, y'all, if you have a, uh, like I said, a, like I already said, a, fr- a friend and family member, coworker, or someone who want, who needs to talk to you because they're struggling, and their emotional health, mental health in particular, these are the things that you don't say. Okay, so don't say, girl, just calm down. Like, get it together. Calm down. It's not that serious. Don't say that. Get over it. Don't say that. Have you thought about, and then you end up giving a scenario to try to, you know, help them or kind of give them an answer to their problem or a treatment to their problem. Don't say that. Why can't you just be happy? Don't say that. Those things will in my opinion, without reading all of the information that they have, because I want you to go back and read the information that they have under each heading, I think that will make the situation worse. It might put a breach in your friendship. It might get to a point where they don't trust you or they won't come to you anymore when they're struggling with their mental health or struggling in another area. So... Let's show empathy to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers if they come to us with a struggle, okay? In particular, a mental health struggle. Okay, so don't do those things. But these are some things that you can say How can I support you? How can I help you? Are you getting treatment? Like, are you going to therapy? Are you getting some help? Are you getting treatment? Do you need some space? That's a good one. Because sometimes they're sharing their struggles with you and they just need some time to themselves. They need some time to think it through, to pray it through, to go to therapy, to work it through. So do you need space? You go, girl. Like you got this, like I'm with you i'm I'm we're gonna get through this together, like you go girl, okay. Especially now, this particular part, you go girl. It says, "Okay, you'll probably want to find more current a more current way to say this because you know we used to say you go girl back in the day. But when your girl has been working hard, let her know that you're proud of her. So if you have a girlfriend, a colleague, a coworker, a loved one who has been working hard, they started a new business." They um, launched out a new product in their business. They got a promotion on their job. They got an elevation at church or in their ministry. They started a nonprofit. They wrote a book. Support them. Be like you go, girl. Like you bet girl, you doing the dang on thing. You know, you know, I was with I was talking to a coworker today, and I don't, I'm not gonna say her name. I don't think she'll mind me sharing this, but she got a new car. And she had been without a car for about a week or so. Y'all, she got a luxury car, and it's nice. (laughs) That thing is nice. So when we she had she had pulled, she had driven into the parking lot. So I only saw half of the back because I can tell a car normally, but I thought it was a monster because of the way the symbol looked. Yeah, when she pulled that thing out, and she went we were talking under the shade tree. And somebody needed to get in, so she pulled out and moved over in the parking lot. And when I saw it came, you know, she was driving toward me because I was standing under the shade tree. I was like, girl, because I feel like I was celebrating her. I was so excited for her that she got this new car and this luxury car. I was like, you doing it, girl. Go ahead. And she was like, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. And then she started expressing the negativity. That she had received from other individuals about this new car. Why we got to do that to each other? Like, why can't we just celebrate each other? Why can't we just say congratulations? Why can't we just say you did that, girl? Why can't we just say you go, girl? But she, there was some negativity that came at her. And I, like my heart sunk a little bit for her because I could tell it affected her, you know? But I was like, girl, don't even worry about that. You doing this. I'm like, you got these leather seats. I'm like, girl, this is, got you a sunroof. Like I was like pumping her up because I was genuinely excited for her. I'm like, girl, like that is is a nice car. Like it's a used car, but whoever had that car, like, they took care of, man, they took care of that car. It is nice. And so I was, I was like, girl, you're doing better than I'm doing. Like, I just, you know, I just, it was a beautiful. And so, you know, she was like, thank you. Like, she was like, thank you. Like, I believe in lifting each other up. I believe in supporting each other. I believe in congratulating each other. Like, I don't have any reason to tear anybody down. You know what I mean? And so, and I know I probably still have work to do in that area. before my girl, I was really my colleague. I was very excited for her. And so I believe we should celebrate each other. Celebrate each other's strengths. Celebrate when we're doing well. And when we're not doing so well, be that support. Be that support. Do you need some space? Are you getting treatment? How can I support you? How can I help you? Sometimes, you know... I don't know if you all have seen the video, Fred Hammond's I Will Trust. If you have not seen that video, go to YouTube and look it up. It's I Will Trust. I will trust. Trust in the name of the Lord. You know, so watch that video. In the video, I'm not going to tell you what happens, but... There's support that's going on in this video, and it is a beautiful video. Like I might go back and watch it tonight before I go to bed. And some, and I, and that video came to mind because sometimes when our girlfriends need support, sometimes all they need us to do is just to sit with them, just to sit with them. We don't have to say anything. We just sit with them. Sometimes we might hold their hand and sit with them. Sometimes we might hug them and sit with them. Sometimes we might even hold them if they allow that and sit with them. But sometimes just the power of your presence can be enough to lift up your girlfriend or lift up your sister friend or lift up that loved one. Sometimes just just being there. You know, y'all know the song, just having you there, having you there. And it's talking about God. Just having the power and presence of God in my life is such a blessing to me. And having the power and presence of people is such a blessing. When people show up for you, when you're struggling, when you're going through, it is such a powerful ministry, the power of presence. So Again, let's support each other in our mental health, okay? All right, so I added the article to the chat. Read it at your leisure. And again, I think I want to end all of my broadcasts, my Sip and say broadcasts with something uplifting, something that will support us, some strategies that will help us, some tips that will help us. If you have an idea of something that you want me to talk about or strategies that you want to have, like about, about eating healthy or fitness or the, the yoga practice that I'm doing, put it in the chat, add it to the comment section, and I will do some research and give you some strategies, strategies that I don't know, but I also get some strategies from licensed professionals who have trained for this and studied for this and have experience and education in this. But yeah, so just let me know if it's something that you want to hear about or you want me to talk about and we'll hit it and sip and say. And I might even, maybe next year, I don't know if I'll do it before the end of this year, I have been thinking about maybe having, like, inviting people onto the show that are experts in a field or who have more education or more knowledge or more expertise in an area. So it's something that I've been thinking about. And so we'll see what happens. If the Lord blesses us to live in 2023, we are going to keep doing Sip and Say with Stephanie. So we'll see what the Lord says about it and see if I can go ahead and start lining up guests for next year if that's something that we're going to do, okay? All right, just throwing that out there. Y'all pray for me as I'm moving and shaking in the area that God is calling me to. Amen, amen. All right, y'all. Pocketbook Book Exchange is October 5th, 6th, and 7th nightly right here on the Stephanie Humphrey channel. I'll be bringing the word from our theme, From Surviving to Thriving, 3 John 2, and on Saturday is our in-person ladies-only session, y'all. We have our Saturday sessions. We have three sessions with two workshops in the first two sessions, and the third session will be whole group, y'all. Go to my website. I'm going to put it in the chat right now. If you have not registered, go to the website and register today so that you can get into the workshop that you want to get into. There is limited seating in a few of the workshops, so you want to go ahead and register early, okay? Registration is absolutely free, y'all, but you must register, okay? You must register, okay? Oh, my aunt said, I agree. Awesome. Thank you, Aunt Wanda. All right, y'all. Oh. Last thing, I promise it's the last thing. y'all. I told y'all preachers have about 10 closings. My book is being released on October 10th, A Long Time Coming. It features book one, book two, and book three of A Long Time Coming. Book one is A Journey of Life. Book two is A Journey of Love. And book three is A Journey Home. It is a story of Veronica Bailey, as she graduates from early college with her associate's degree and her high school diploma, and it takes you through her life. Her mom, Veronica, is right there with her. Have y'all read the first six chapters yet? Have y'all read a preview yet on Roku? Uh, not Roku, but on um, on... um Oh, now I can't even think. Ugh. On oh, uh, on. I got to look it up because now my mind is is I'm stuck on Roku now. Kobo, Kobo, thank you, Lord. Have y'all read the first six chapters yet? Have y'all read a preview so y'all know what the mama did, what Veronica's mom did, um for her <laughs> and possibly to her. If you haven't read it, I will add it to the chat right now so you can read it because it is I wanna know what y'all think. Y'all parents I want to know if that's something that you would do for your kids. Like it's 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 a little wild, but you know she did it. But um, but anyway, y'all. And so, if you haven't gotten the book, if you haven't read the preview, I'm going to add the preview to the chat now. If you haven't pre-ordered your book, go ahead and do it now. Pre-orders are available on my website at determinedpublishing.com. The um. Pre-order price is $25. The after October 10th price, I think I'm going to move it up to like $28, I think. But right now, it's $25. You get, look, this is a thick book, y'all. You get all three books in one. And again, it takes you on her journey as she transitions into adulthood. Her mom, Veronica, I mean, her mom, Victoria, is there. Um... Mamona and brandon are there mr Harold is there her friends janice and chantelle are there chantelle's boyfriend ralph is there like it's a lot of characters poured into this book And all of them have their own personality, and it's hilarious listening to the conversations that the characters engage themselves in. It's a lot of teasing, a lot of friend fun, a lot of family fun, a lot of life situations happening in this book. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Dimitri is in this book, as well as Dalton. Like There are so many characters in this book. And again, each of them are so unique. And I think they're entertaining. And uh, it's just a lot of family fun, a lot of friend fun, a lot of romantic fun. Yes, there's some things happening on the romantic realm. It just is what it is. The characters are still working out. They sow salvation with fear and trembling. If you are a Christian that don't think Christians have flaws, This book is not for you. I'm just trying to tell you it's not for you. But if you know we have struggles, we have flaws, we're going through some things, then you might want to read this book because it's probably for you, okay? So again, go to my website. Go ahead and pre-order your book. A long time coming. Releases October 10th. I am going to have a special... special edition of the Stephanie Humphrey channel on October 10th. And I will probably read the book. I have an idea about having some guests over. I'll talk to them this weekend about it. And so we're just going to have a good time. All right. All right, y'all. That's it. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. You all, I will see you all next Thursday. Uh, Actually, I will not see you next Thursday. No, I will not. I will not see you next Thursday. It is the fifth Thursday. It's September 29th, and I'm going to take a break. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm going to take a break. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Okay, look, y'all. I do have one more thing. I promise it's going to be the last thing. Abbott Elementary premiered last night, y'all. Did y'all see it? It comes on ABC At 9 p.m., Quentin Brunson is a Black creator. She is the creator, writer, executive producer of the show. It's about an elementary school in um, Philadelphia. Y'all, they had their Eagles. I started to call my cousin and her husband because her husband is an Eagles fan. And so they had their Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles gear on last night. I love the way they opened the, the show last night. And they actually included um, children with varying abilities in the show last night. So, that was a check plus plus to Abbott Elementary. Y'all, get you some of Abbott Elementary. Let me put it in the chat. Uh, Abbott, A-B-B-O-T-T, Abbott Elementary, 9 p.m. on Wednesdays. It is so good. Just watch it one time. And if you don't like it, that's okay. But at least watch it one time with me next Wednesday. If the Lord bless us and live to see it, watch it with me next Wednesday at 9 p.m. It is so good. Okay? All right, y'all. I promise I'm done. (laughs) I will not see you on September 29th because I'm going to be chilling. I'm going to be taking that nap that I be talking about so much taking because I'm tired on a Thursday. I'm going to be chilling. But I will see you on October 6th for the Pocketbook Exchange. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will see you October 6th for the Pocketbook Exchange. Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all, let me let y'all go. <laughs> Good night, y'all. I see y'all in two weeks. The Lord bless us. Who live and see it. Y'all be blessed take care of yourself take care of other people if you have to tell people no it's okay to tell them no it's all right have the ministry of no but take care of you it's only one you so take care of you all right all right y'all be blessed In addition to going live on my YouTube channel at 6.30 p.m. on Thursdays, I also go live at 10 p.m. on my podcasting channels, including Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Blessings.